The information and opinions presented in this ARC Energy Ideas podcast are provided for informational purposes only and are subject to the disclaimer link in the show notes. This is the ARC Energy Ideas podcast with Peter Tertzakian and Jackie Forrest, exploring trends that influence the energy business. Welcome to the ARC Energy Ideas podcast. I'm Jackie Forrest. And I'm Peter Tertzakian. Welcome back. So Omicron is a Greek letter and... They're using Greek letters to name these viruses of interest or viruses that are beyond interest. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, not interested in learning about any more of them. Yeah, but, you know, I'm looking. Delta is way back in the Greek alphabet. Then there's Epsilon, Zeta, Eta, Theta, Iota, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We skipped a couple. And uh, now we're on Omicron. So we're going to spend today's show talking a little bit about predictions and the future. So... Maybe we can play a game and say, well, what's the next virus of interest? Do you know what the next one on the list is? I hope it's easier to pronounce than the current <laughs> one. <laughs> what is it? It's much easier to pronounce after Omicron comes pi. Oh, pi. Yeah. So very mathematical. Rho, sigma, tau. I don't know. There you go. Those are seem like foolproof predictions foolproof. to be making. You can just go click down the list. foolproof prediction? There Although will be another Greek letter that we're going to talk about in 2022. Yeah, let's hope that uh, the... Omicron runs, uh, we don't talk about it for long. Boy, has uh, 2021 been quite a year. And I was thinking a little bit about when 2020 ended. Everyone was so excited and looking forward to 2021. But I think for most of us, 2021 wasn't maybe as good as we expected. You know, we still had two big waves of COVID. And even today, in many places, including in Alberta, we're still under work from home orders. Oh, yeah. So it wasn't quite as good as we thought. But we're really hoping that 2022 is going to be a lot better. I know. I mean, I remember... New Year's Eve 2020, we were saying, glad the year's behind us. Here's to 2021 and it being better. And, you know, in many ways, I would argue it was better. But boy, it sure seems like a struggle in many dimensions with all the issues that are out there, including the persistence of all these variants. And so we will be toasting again. I will be anyway in 2021, saying 2022 will be better. But before we get to that spot, I think we're going to do a bit of a look back on the big themes of this year, a look back on our predictions. And uh, I think for 2022, in terms of the big trends to watch, we'll save that for January, shall we? Yeah, and so join us to hear about predictions in January. But let's start with how good were we at our predictions last year. So in January of 2021, our very first podcast of the year, we called Three Foolproof Predictions. So <laughs> let's see how foolproof they really were. So the first one was... More green policy and more corporate investment into the space. This is actually was a write-up as well that Peter had mm -hmm. done. And mm -hmm. it talked about the fact that clean tech will continue to raise money and attract capital. And that oil and gas is probably going to continue to struggle to attract capital. Well, yeah, I think that was a fairly safe prediction. That's why we called it foolproof. But indeed, that's what happened. And the stocks in the green segment, the clean energy segment, they really had a big lift especially after President Biden swore in and took office, the expectations that there would be a lot more policy, which was also part of our predictions, was very large. And indeed, on the back of a robust stock market, especially in the green energy segment, there was a lot of money raised and a lot more corporate investment, especially by companies also 
spending money or on capital projects such as solar farms and so on, also for carbon offset projects and all sorts of things. So I think, yeah, I think we give ourselves a tick mark on that. It was foolproof and it proved to be foolproof. Okay. So the next one, oil and gas companies will continue to consolidate. So this one, I think maybe you get 50% right because at the beginning of the year, there were definitely consolidations. Of course, yeah. we had that big blockbuster in Canada right before the end of the year with Husky and Synovus coming together. But in February, we had Arc Resources and Seven Generations merge. There was also some big acquisitions, for example, Conoco mm-hmm. buying some mm-hmm. of Shell's assets in the U.S. However, a lot of that activity really came to an end by the end of the first half of the year, and it yeah. hasn't been very much activity in the second half. Yeah. Because as prices rose, companies were doing pretty well on their own and maybe didn't feel the motivation. I think we can certainly give ourselves at least 50%, if not more, because there was a very robust consolidation trend, as you mentioned, in the earlier part of the year. Consolidation occurs in industries when there's distress and coming together to create one plus one equals two and a half or three becomes a theme. There isn't a lot of resistance, but when commodity prices go up and times get better, there's really not as much incentive for companies to come together, nor are there a lot of proposals to come together. So by the time we hit June-ish, there really wasn't a lot of consolidation interest going on, but there was uh, different things happening. But definitely give ourselves good marks on that one. Again, I kind of think it's a foolproof one because there was a lot of distress in the markets. Yeah, coming out of 2020 and into the early 2021. Yeah, yeah. so there was a lot of chatter that it was going to probably come to pass, and it did, as you said, the Husky, Synovus, Arc Resources, 7Gen, etc. Okay, number three. Energy demand will quickly rebound in the latter half of 2020. Well, that one we get full marks I for. Think so, yeah. yeah. We saw a huge gain in oil demand, for example. A 5 million barrel a day annual gain in 2021 is expected. Compare that to a typical year of one or one and a half million barrels mm-hmm. a day. So that's huge growth. And obviously, that had its implications that pull on energy and actually all sorts of goods and services as the economies got going has yeah. caused a lot of inflation. Yeah, definitely full marks. However, I would tend to give us a little bit of a deduction maybe because actually it was even greater than I think we expected. Yeah, that's true. The the, the pull on the commodities and coming out of it, you know, notwithstanding even the pandemic persisting with wave after wave in different countries, it was really surprising how this oil demand came back. And on the eve of the Omicron variant only a few weeks ago, we were basically back to the same level of, say, oil consumption that we were before the pandemic started. Yeah, getting close for sure. We're still down a bit in terms of international travel, but even that had recovered a lot. So we'll see what happens here, how much demand we lose. Next year is actually expected to be, I'm getting into the predictions, I can't help myself, (laughs) but uh, is expected to be a strong year as well. Prior to the Omicron, some groups estimated it could be a similar level of demand growth. So these were safe predictions. I mean, we didn't predict the rapidity with which oil prices came back. We didn't predict supply chain problems and backing up of ships at various ports and so on and so forth. But I would have to say that standing back in January of this year and looking forward, it wasn't all that clear that energy demand was going to rebound, but we had a fair amount of conviction on that. Okay, well, let's talk about the look back on what actually happened in the year. And what we decided to do for this segment is to look at some of the big themes, but also come up with the themes based Mm -hmm. on 
the downloads of our podcast. So, you know, focus on the most popular podcasts. And there are a number of podcasts that kind of fit into a theme and come up with what are the big themes for the year by doing that. Yeah. And we'll see how this goes. So how many podcasts have we done this year? We did 37 so far. So I guess we'll wrap yeah. the year with 38. And thank you to all our listeners that followed many of those. Yes, And we've you. had about uh, 70,000 downloads in the year. Yeah, phenomenal. So thanks to everyone for following. Okay. You've bucketed the 37 podcasts into a handful of themes. And the first theme has to do with, not surprisingly, carbon mitigation, GHG reduction, growing ambition on policy, which was also really a theme from last year. And so that obviously, given its impact on energy markets, was very popular among our listeners. We talked about a lot of things over the year. Governments increased their ambition. So as you all know, the Canadian Liberal federal government changed the goalpost on 2030 from a 30% reduction to 40 to 45. The Biden administration, of course, came in and put some pretty strict targets like a 50% reduction by 2030 in the U.S. China announced their carbon neutral by 2060. And there's just many other countries on the government side that added to their ambition. And then we have those financial institutions. Mm -hmm. We talked about this recently on our podcast around highlights from the first week of COP26, but that Glasgow yep. Financial, Financial Alliance. Alliance. Yep. What's the acronym for that? GFANS. GFANS, I mean, well, yeah. It's, it's pretty awkward, honestly, <laughs> for an acronym. But anyway, that's what it is. You know, I think it's worth repeating that when we think about policy and regulation in energy, there's two forces of change. One is government policy coming from the halls of parliament. And then the other is financial policy coming from the streets, Bay Street, Wall Street, etc. And that actually the regulatory impetus from the financial industry that provides all the capital is really a much more powerful and immediate force than even government policy. And then you bring the two together, and it's no surprise to me that these podcasts were among the most popular. Yeah. And I wanted to talk to you about corporate pledges. Mm. Of course, corporations around the world continued to uh, pledge to do more, but we had a pretty big announcement in June, and we had a podcast on this with oil sands producers announcing this pathway to net zero yeah. project. At the time, it was 90% of oil sands production, but since then, Conoco joined the group. And now it's 95% of all oil sands production is committed to this. This is this initiative called Pathways. And it's got, as its members, Canadian Natural, Imperial, Meg Energy, Suncor, and now you say, yeah, Conoco. That's right. Yeah. So those basically account for all of oil sands production. Yeah, and this is a really big deal. I was thinking back, actually, I don't know if you remember this, but mm -hmm. uh, it was the summer of 2019 when Steve Lott from CNRL joined the podcast, came, joined us right here in the studio. Back then you could do that. Yeah. And he talked about their aspirational net zero goal. And that was kind of a big deal. Like there was actually a right. couple news articles written off the podcast. And so, you know, at that time to sort of think about the whole industry agreeing to this, it's a big change. It is a big yeah. change. And I know that there's a lot of progress being made on these discussions. The group is very active. It's really coalesced. And I think it was essential for companies to come together and collaborate that are otherwise highly competitive in their space to tackle the issue of how to achieve net zero. And I think that this Pathways Initiative could be a template for other industries that now in 2022 and beyond will have to think about how to reduce their collective emissions. Because in many ways, companies on their own, I can tell you, there's a lot of anxiety and confusion at the boardroom tables in terms of how to deal with this. And by collaborating and coming together on this issue and just competing 
basically on your products. So that's part of the competitiveness, but on reducing emissions where you collaborate, I think is going to be a bigger theme as we go forward. Yeah, I agree. And it makes a lot of sense because, you know, for example, a big industrial area anywhere, there's a lot of economies of scale by creating right. like big infrastructure that everyone yeah, can use. Yeah, and economies of scale, absolutely. How to share intellectual property so that you can accelerate the move to net zero and for the benefit of the sector as a whole. So what's the next, next section? theme? Well, we have to talk about the extreme weather. That was obviously... Yeah a really big theme throughout 2021. And we had mm -hmm. a number of energy-related podcasts that were a result of some of the very extreme weather, right. whether it be the hot summer or the droughts or the flooding. And the one of the first ones we had was in March. It was called Houston. We have a problem learning from the power outage. So obviously the big Texas power outage because of the extreme cold that they suffered from. Right. We had Blake Schaefer from here, the U of C, Joshua Rhodes from University of Texas. And they gave us a sense of how the extreme weather really led to energy security issues as a consequence of climate-related risk. And tragedy. Like, mm -hmm. you know, and people, tragedy, yeah. People uh, died over it. So, uh, you know, it was real tragedy. We talked after we got back from the summer about the summer heat waves and wildfires that were experienced in Western Canada and parts of the U.S. Right, the dome, the heat dome. Yeah, and then, of course, we talked about the energy crisis in Europe a couple of podcasts on that. Mm -hmm. And really that was somewhat related to weather because the reason that LNG was so short was partly because, you know, Europe experienced unusually cold spring, but also because there was a lot of drought and uh, it meant a lot of the hydro production around the world mm -hmm. wasn't what it was expected to be. And they increased their demand for natural gas as well. Right. So, right. and then finally we had Andrew Weaver, who was just on recently, the former leader of the BC Green Party, explaining that in his view, that extreme rain that we were seeing in BC mm -hmm, in November mm -hmm. was related to CO2 loading in the atmosphere. Yeah. I think that one of the podcasts that we had on the energy crisis in Europe, and uh, we had Matthew Sager's VP at IHS Market on the Russian perspective, also highlighted the confluence of risks, geopolitical risk and weather risk coming together, and also market distortions as a consequence of other themes that we talked about later in the year relating to the disorderly transition. And how that can kind of create yeah. winners and losers and different behavior from different countries. Right. Yeah, no, that was a good one. Lots of good feedback on that one. A definitely a different perspective on yeah. Russia for a lot of yeah. folks. Oil and gas stocks had a great year. Clean energy, not so much. That was a theme that we talked about in a few podcasts. And certainly as we close the year, we've seen that uh, oil and gas equities are up very big, not surprisingly, because the price of oil and gas have gone up and the cash flows are very large. Companies are not spending their money into more production, really. It's all dividends and share buybacks. And so as a consequence, I think oil and gas equity indices are up 50% or more since January 1st. Now, the clean energy indices had a big rush coming out of the gates in January as a consequence of, as I said earlier, the election of President Biden, his swearing in, and the expectations of trillions of dollars are spending on green energy. You know, the whole buy on rumor, sell on news type of dynamic evolved over the course of the year. Yes, there was more stimulus dollars that were allocated, but there was also a cooling off of the clean energy, green energy type stocks. Actually, they're on balance depending upon which ETF you follow. If you start the year at Jan 1st, they're actually, as a group, probably down about 20%. So a real big contrast between 
oil equities, which are up over 50%, and clean energy indices, which are net negative down 20%. Yeah, but I guess the difference is oil started at such a low place, right? Yeah, uh, coming into the year. And the renewables and clean energy stocks started at a high. And they're still very high-valued stocks. If you look at how their yeah. companies are valued based on how many years of cash flow, they have very high multiples compared to oil and gas, which actually contracted yeah. during the year. So it is kind of an interesting thing. I think one of the issues has been that the beginning of the year, there was this expectation that there'd be all this great policy in the U.S., and it has been slow. We're still waiting here at the end of the year to see if right. this big reconciliation bill that the U.S. has promised will come out. And boy, will that be impactful for some of these companies right. because there's a lot of tax incentives for kind of everything clean energy. Regardless, whenever we talk about the markets, we always get a uh, lot of downloads. We had this year Trent Beam from Stifle First Energy talking about stocks. And that was actually back in February. Gave us lots of insights. So we'll be sure to have other guests on in 2022 that can give us the commentary on what is sure to be another surprising and probably volatile year in the markets. Yeah, for sure. So the next theme is electric vehicles that uh, yeah. we've talked quite a bit about them on the podcast. They're always popular, actually, when we do the electric yeah. vehicle ones in terms of the downloads. And this year has actually been a really big year for electric vehicles. The numbers aren't going to be in here for a while in terms of what 2021 actually is. But it looks like with the data so far that we could have almost seen a doubling in the sales globally, about 7% of all cars in Q2 mm. of 2021 were EVs. Yeah. <laughs> they were either pure EVs or they were, you know, the ones that go many miles on pure electric. I've looked at the number. The skew is definitely toward pure EV now. And uh, I'm looking at this chart. Are you going to post this chart? It's really remarkable in terms of the breakout of electric vehicle sales in 2021 as a percent of total vehicle sales. And I'm looking hard here with my glasses. I think I can see the purchase of your vehicle in here, Jackie. Yeah, it was there right in January. See that <laughs> oh, little yeah, tick there? That bump. Okay. But no, it, it is impressive. And, and you can't see this. This is the global electric vehicle sales. So we will put a link to this chart in the show notes. Mm -hmm. But in some jurisdictions, 2021, Europe, 18% of all new cars were electric. Yeah. And in China, 12%. Yeah. So, you know, those are double digit numbers now yeah, in they terms are of market digit. share. And then people might say, well, okay, those are subsidized, but hey, I mean, we're going to see big subsidies here in the United States coming with uh, the Biden plan for buying electric vehicles. So I think the subsidization is going to continue as a consequence of the policy that's raining down from the halls of COP26 and beyond. Yeah, the expectation is if this reconciliation bill gets through in the U.S., mm -hmm. there's going to be a big bump next year for U.S. because uh, the incentives are going to be yeah. a lot better than they are today. But independent of the reconciliation bill, I mean, we've got all the big major automakers now actively introducing new models. I think we're going to see a lot of more new models, including pickup trucks in 2022. And so it's going to be a very interesting year to watch the adoption of electric vehicles. Now, having said that, we have always said on this program that the impact on oil consumption is unlikely to be all that great until the latter half of the decade. But definitely, charts like this are going to drive sentiment in terms of of future oil growth. I would say one other theme that's kind of in this bucket that was uh, big in 2022 is the automakers making really ambitious pledges, not mm. only on how many models, but when they want to go all electric or when they want to be 
Ford right. be bigger than right. Tesla. So I think there's been real increased ambition by the automakers, which to me is mm-hmm. also kind of enforcing this trend of potentially faster adoption yeah. than some of the more pessimistic outlooks. No, it's impressive. And it's more or less on track with some of the predictive charts that we had published over the course of the last couple of years. All right. The other big theme was... Inflation, one that nobody really wants to talk about. Well, there certainly is a lot of talk about it. It's a big story in 2021, especially as the summer and the fall came around. The world got closer to normal. Demand started picking up for everything. The supply chains couldn't keep up. So that was a contributor to the problem. And of course, as far as energy goes, because oil flows through the veins of the economy, as the price of oil started to go up, the price of everything that was transported, including groceries and barbecues or whatever it is that people buy. Mm -hmm. uh, And even the price of natural gas. The price of natural gas in Europe. Basically, the cost of everything that does work and delivers products went up and the constituent component of products. And this is likely to continue into 2022, but we will talk about that in January. Yeah, I know. I think we're going to have to talk about it. You know, we didn't talk about this on the podcast, but in October, it was recorded that the U.S. Consumer Price Index was up 6.2% year on year, which was the highest rate of change in over 30 years. And we've already seen some signaling from the U.S. Federal Bank that they are going to maybe put in some interest rates next year. So I think this is going to continue to be a theme. Well, it was one of our themes, candidly. We've been talking about inflation since March. And in fact, one of our most listened to podcasts was with Simon Moore's Managing Director of Benchmark Mineral Intelligence, when back in March, we asked the question, what are the limits to the supply of EV batteries and its constituent elements, such as lithium, cobalt, nickel, manganese, et cetera, et cetera. And back then, it was pretty clear that constituent elements and components of all sorts of clean energy products, including batteries, were going up, and therefore, inflation was going to be a big issue Mm -hmm. in many things. Yeah, and we actually saw, for like Tesla announced higher car prices later on in the year because of some of those rising costs. And then we did in September have a pretty comprehensive 101 on inflation and some of the issues and Mm -hmm. implications of that. I'm sure we'll continue to talk about that in the new year. Right. Okay, well, drum roll. Mm. Our final topic, and it's really specific to Canada, is we started to see a glimpse of the energy transition investment potential that could come to Western Canada. Right. You know, a lot of times I think we focus on the oil and gas industry and how it's going to look with energy transition. Is it going to decline? Are there going to be less jobs? And I think we forget about the opportunity that can come from new types of jobs and investments. And we really saw that there could be literally tens of billions of dollars of investment with projects that were announced. Now, of course, these are early stage projects. They Mm -hmm. haven't been announced to go forward, but it's really exciting to see some of the projects, like the Dow Chemical, world's first net zero ethylene cracker being announced here. So when you say they're not going forward, they don't have their final investment decision yet. Exactly. They're potential projects. But they are announced, and that's the way it works. There's an announcement, there's intent, and then we wait for the board to make the final investment decision on these projects, which we're likely to hear probably in the next year or two. And then the money gets spent and the facilities get built. So yeah, there was the Dow Chemicals, as you say, the ethylene cracker, Suncor and Atco came together with a hydrogen project. Air Liquide Shell has got the big carbon capture sequestration projects, and the list goes on, right? What yeah, else is yeah. TC here? Energy like, and yeah. Pemina also announced a CCS project. There was two renewable fuels projects. One announced the Imperial Refinery in Edmonton, the mm-hmm. Co-op Refinery in Regina, 
Over 800 megawatts of new solar farms backed by corporate purchases were announced in yeah. 2021. And there are others. I'm missing stuff. Oh, Enbridge Capital Power CCS. It just goes on and on. And it really shows you there's billions and billions of dollars of potential investment related right. to clean energy. Right. And some of this isn't potential. Like it's happening and the money is being spent certainly on these solar farms. So I think that uh, the outlook for Alberta going forward with the combination of the higher commodity prices and all this activity and the recognition that there is opportunity in decarbonization speaks to a very robust outlook going forward. And we'll talk about that, as I said, again in 2022, January. Yeah. Hey, I did want to highlight too, I'm going to put a link to this in the show notes. There was a new report commissioned by Calgary Economic Development and Global Edmonton. Hmm. I guess the work was done by Foresight and Delphi Group. And they were predicting how energy transition could be a major boon for Alberta, predicting that it could have a $60 billion opportunity. So I'll put a link to that, you know, kind of the same theme, right? It's just looking beyond the announced projects and thinking how big could this be for, for yeah. the province of Alberta. There's a lot more talk about opportunity these days, and that's really positive. And I think that's one of the positive things that we can leave our audience today is that the outlook as we stand on the flip of the calendar from this year to next year is much more positive economically than it was back a year ago. Oh, definitely. I think a lot of companies are, are doing a lot better. And one more thing I want to mention as we wrap up the year, well, it's not a specific theme. We always have a lot of downloads of our conversations with senior leaders in the Canadian energy industry. Mm -hmm. uh, and we had lots of great guests on this year. We sure did. We had Martha Hall Finley from Suncor, Peter Zebedee from LNG Canada, Randy McCune, Ballard Power, Altalink, Berkshire Hathaway, we had Scott Thon, Barbara Zavon, CEO of the University Pension Plan, so on and so forth, many, many others. We had some really great guests, and we thank them all for being part of our podcasts. And we also had some pretty cool technology podcasts. Yeah, those are some of my favorite. I just love the technology. I loved when Arthur Terrell was telling us about fusion energy. We had the autonomous vehicle with Larry Burns, and we also had a podcast early in the year about small modular reactors. So I love the technology ones personally. Yeah. Well, that's a wrap on a very, I don't know what adjective to use, exciting, interesting. Volatile. Um, volatile. <laughs> Maybe that's probably the best one. Tumultuous. How's that one? <laughs> but uh, regardless, have a great holiday season. We're so thankful to have you as our audience. We will be back in January of 2022. Yes, thank you. And have a great holiday. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate us on the app that you listen to and tell someone else about us. For more ideas and insights, visit arcenergyinstitute.com.